Welcome to Half Finished to Done, a podcast for passionate business owners like you who are ready to stop procrastinating and start finishing all of your half done projects. I'm your host, Christina, and I'm looking forward to helping you finish your projects in a calm, sustainable way using a simple, repeatable process. All along the way, we'll be working through the mental, emotional, and logistical obstacles that are standing between you and extraordinary projects. Let's get into it. Hey there, I just wanted to drop in and give you a little bit of context on this episode. You may have heard me rant about this before, but I think that the term and the concept of consistency is totally overrated in business ownership. I don't work on consistency at all. What I do instead is I lean into my natural energy ebbs and flows, and I run my business on what I call a sprint and rest model, meaning I work super hard and then I take a ton of time off. I love running my business this way, and I love talking about it because every single time that I present this idea to somebody, they're like, wait, we're allowed to do that? I don't have to be consistent? And you could just see the look of relief on their face. So recently I shared on Instagram about exactly this, the fact that I run my business on a sprint and rest model and somebody, Samantha, who you guys are going to hear on another episode about copy and messaging reached out to me and she had a few questions. I told her I was more than happy to answer her questions, but I was wondering if she would be willing to record our conversation so that if something cool came out of it, it could become a podcast episode and she was game. This conversation ended up even more epic than I ever imagined. You can hear that we're both so engaged in the conversation. We're both so excited to be talking about this whole idea of sprinting and resting. And this episode is almost unedited. This is just our natural conversation. This isn't coaching per se. This isn't exactly how the coaching sessions that I do with my clients run. It's more of like a peer strategy session, but I know that you guys are going to get tons out of listening to the episode. I share a ton of my own philosophies and answer a lot of Sam's questions. So I really hope that you all enjoy listening. And I made, (laughs) I'm joking, but I have made Samantha put her name on this episode because I love the way that she is super open and receptive to hearing what I have to say while owning her own work. So if you guys love her work, be sure to follow up with her. We'll put the link in the show notes and enjoy this episode. Okay, perfect. So give me a little bit of context about what is prompting you to want to move into this more like sprint rest kind of lifestyle. Basically, I launched my first group program in November, 2021. So it's been almost a year and it was evergreen. And to me, that felt like the most easiest option because I was like, oh, it's like no pressure on my end, no pressure on their end. I can just start talking about this offer with no like real deadline or strategy. Like it can just be out there. And I did get one person in in November. And then I was talking about this program for months with no traction. And so then I decided, let me just run a launch in April. And when I ran that launch in April, I did get several people in. And I was like, Maybe launches are just easier for me because I actually don't really struggle with launches. I'm happy to show up and pour all of my energy into my community because that's how I genuinely see it and see what happens (laughs) as opposed to day. Like to me, it's actually almost more pressure day in and day out, like wondering like, is today going to be the day? Is today like, am I going to move the needle today versus like a launch where you can really plan it out, pour all your energy? So yeah, I was just curious to hear like your experience and like, what your takeaways have been. 
Okay. I love this. I debated for so long whether I was going to do launching or open. And I would like, for like two years, I'd be like, I'm going to do launching. No, I'm going to do open. I'm going to do both. I'm going to do a hybrid model. And then I was just like, just do freaking launches. And like, if someone wants to buy in advance, they can buy. But other than that, it's launches. And one of the best definitions I heard of launching was like, it's a concentrated effort to collect the value or to collect the money for the value you've already given. Ooh. I think that was Simone Soul, who I don't know if you follow on Instagram. I think she I've heard of that. her. Yeah. I loved that because I was like, that got me in the mindset of being like, okay, so year round, I am creating value, right? I'm always every day creating value and through my challenges, through Instagram, through all of that, through my email list, podcast, whatever, all the ways. <laughs> I know you are too. And then the launch is just like scooping all of that up. And that was really fun for yeah. me. <laughs> Because it feels more like when people talk about work being an energy exchange, that feels accurate. Because it's like, yeah, I'm just gathering. I'm just seeing what I want to get back from everything I've given. So, Yeah. Okay. And then tell me a little bit about the personal side of that. So like there's a really good business reason, but what is the personal reason for you? Ooh. I mean, it's been interesting because actually like running my program Evergreen has actually been not so bad for me. But there, I guess there have been a few times where I was traveling and I was always keeping one eye on it. And I was always like, or I felt really guilty when I had to like rearrange calls at around like, oh, I'm traveling or my flight is that day. I wouldn't say that was the leading reason I changed it. I also felt like, and this is probably personal instead of business, although it connects. I felt like people weren't moving through the program at a pace that made sense for them to get the results that they came for. So even though it left it wide open for them, and even though they have access to all these resources, assets to me twice a month on a call, I don't think people were leveraging it because it feels like it's always there. And it's funny because when I started the Evergreen, I was like, oh, it's going to be great because I'm going to have all these client wins to share every week or every month. And it's going to like sustain the program. But really, like. I don't know. And I've done what I can to like encourage people to ask questions and bring their questions and bring their concerns or I don't know, anything they're working on. But it's just not the same when they are in a limited time frame. And so I thought that would help the results of the program too. I really like that. And the term that just came to my head was the healthy urgency because I think there can be unhealthy urgency for sure. But what you're talking about is healthy urgency. And I'm like... Yeah. When you have one of those courses that's self-paced, especially I'm like for my people, right? Self-proclaimed procrastinators. They're like (laughs) the number of people I hear, they're like, I'm a course hoarder. Like I just buy courses. I think I'm going to use them and I never do. And now I feel horrible and guilty about them. I'll go back and tell you a little more context. Suffice it to say, I was like, I'm not going to contribute to that. I'm going to create an environment where people want to show up to do the work in a time-bound manner add healthy urgency around that. And that's worked super well in my business. So it sounds like the same thing for you. And then for you, it's like, you're looking at both the results, getting actual better results for your clients, right? Which is our like ethics and morality as business owners. But also I love that you're thinking about for the business side of like, it's going to help you get more testimonials. It's going to help you get more of those stories that you can then share. It's interesting because like for me, messaging and for you, procrastination, like we have to consider how our offer format impacts the transformation we're trying to create. And for me, 
I will preach messaging. I will die on that hill. However, like messaging is something that people should clear up and then get back, get back to selling, get back to marketing. You have to clean it up and then just everything you're already doing will work 10 times better if your messaging is clear. So having a 12-month program, it kind of sent the signal of like, oh, you should just work on your messaging forever. <laughs> like, oh, you should just like play with it forever. And for me, I'm like, no, like get back out there and put that messaging to work. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting how like your offer format can impact the transformation. And what I love about this conversation is like, it sounds like you've had these thoughts, but I'm like, what I would love from this is that you leave this conversation being even more sold on your decision and like using this to affirm everything that you've already decided and be like, when someone comes to you and is like, oh, like I don't want to do it in a time bound manner. I'd really love to have lifetime access and work on it my own pace. You're like, no. And here's why. <laughs> and I love that you have that reasoning. I'm definitely at a point now where I feel sold on it, but it, looking at your model and seeing somebody else have such success in this model, it gave me a lot of encouragement too. So like, I'm curious what your like marketing cycle looks like. Where are you marketing? How do you find your people? And yeah, what are your cycles like? Super good question. So I want to be careful. Like I'm not... I always tell people, I'm like, I'm not a business coach. I'm a procrastination coach for business owners. And I'm like, so I've learned a fuck ton. <laughs> but I'm like, this is just all obviously my, my experience and what's worked for me. So basically, the way that I think about it is there's launches. And at this point, I've been in my business long enough that I like plan it out for the year with some tweaks. So it's five launches per year. And so that's four programs. And then I'm selling for the next year. So in December, like no, late November and December, I'll sell for the following January. So that's five launches per year. And then I think about, okay, if that's set, what is everything in between those launches that is going to, again, create that value that's going to make it a no-brainer to sell the number of spots I want to sell when I do launch? I have hit my goals and I have not hit my goals. So I'm like, I just want to be super honest about that. Like, I've had launch goals. My goal used to be 10. And I made myself sell 10 spots until that was easy. So I remember like 10 was so hard. And then 10 was a little hard. And then the next one, 10 was easy. And I remember I cried because I was like, that last launch with 10 people, I was like, I might actually have to turn someone away. And I had never had that problem. And I literally was crying to myself because I was like, this is a problem, but it's a new problem that I've created in a good way. So anyway, and then I raised my goal from there. So anyway, so I haven't always hit my goals, but I set the goal. And then I'm like, that's the goal, period. We're not negotiating it with a caveat that I still have a human brain and <laughs> shit comes up. <laughs> and then I'm like, what is everything that needs to happen in between? So do you want me to go through what I actually do? Yeah. Or do you want to talk to about hear. your... Okay. Yeah. So we run Facebook ads. So we used to run like general Facebook ads and we do that a tiny bit like to a freebie. But for the most part, we run Facebook ads to the five-day challenges. So I do five to six five-day challenges per year. So it's like a super concentrated effort into the challenges. And then on those challenges, I sell the program and I do a follow-up sequence and then I'll do email launching as well. And then I have now the podcast. So that's a big thing. Definitely talking about selling a lot, like talking about the program all the time, like every episode, like 12 times. And then I do Instagram, which 
hasn't been like magnificent for me. I'm actually going to a retreat to learn more about Instagram, but yeah. So I more do Instagram for fun. I don't really have expectations of it, but I'm like, if I can get it to a place where it's actually generating business, that would be freaking amazing. So those are my big things. How do you manage your mindset between launches and like your energy and feeling okay that what you've put out is enough? That's such a good question. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I don't even know how to answer them because I'm like, I feel like that's the work I do all day, every day. Like that is the core work. I think when you move to a sprinting and resting arrangement in your business, that is the work. You have to believe that you're creating enough value when you are working to, I don't even want to say the word compensate or make up, but it's like you're creating enough value when you're working that when you are not working, it's totally fine. But let me see if I have a more specific answer to your question. I guess the number one thing I do is I work backwards. So I'm like, here's my goal. What would make my goal inevitable? And then I figure out the best possible things that I can do to make that goal inevitable. Sometimes it works and sometimes it's a work in progress, right? Where I'm still building up to that goal. But I would say that's probably my number one thing. And then I'm just like, then I work on believing that what I came up with is enough. What are you thinking right now? What's your take on that? I think I'm still like in a space where I'm so focused on like the strategy and the logistics. And I'm trying, I'm trying to be very intentional about like, you know, also the mindset part, because I know that's super important. But yeah, like that's where my head like keeps going is like Facebook ads. Tell me about that. Like, (laughs) or like, I guess like, do you have any thoughts about lead times for clients in terms of like, getting them into your challenges and then converting into your program. Do you feel like it takes a long time for you to take someone from cold to sold? I love that. That is the name of a program right there. From cold to sold. (laughs) I think it's in my coffee somewhere. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) It would be. Okay. I want to answer that, but can I actually jump back to something that just occurred to me as you were talking about the mindset piece? Yeah. One of the things that I do on a very, very regular basis is I'm like, who is the version of me who has hit this goal, right? So for me right now, it's 20 spots. And I'm like, how is that version of me thinking? What is she feeling and what is she doing that's different than this version of me right now? So it'll be like my current version who's launching is like anxious and waiting and checking my inbox and looking at my stats on ConvertKit. And I'm like, the version of me who's selling 20 spots is sure as shit not doing those things. She is like, 20 people want this. They need to hear what I'm about to say in this launch. Here's a good example. Me now, and this is like, I can see this, so I'm working on it, is like, if I'm not getting the results a few days into my launch, I'll be like, I'll just quit. I'll just pull back. And then I'm like, the version of me who's selling 20 spots, I think doesn't even have any thoughts about who has or has not bought until the very last minute. And so I'm like, I think that is really helpful. And the way that I do this is like literally take out a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle and be like, what does it look like to be me right now at my current results versus what would it look like to be me at my goal result? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I love that exercise. And I, I know and value these exercises so much. And I told myself at the beginning of my launch, I was like, I'm going to like do a bit of like that kind of journaling every morning. Have I done it? No, but I really would like to. (laughs) And for me, what comes up is like, 
I can kind of see, I can kind of feel like what that next level of me or next version of me would be doing. But then like, I think then I start to get a lot of anxiety because I'm like basically seeing the gap and I'm just like seeing like, oh, wow, shit, I am nowhere. (laughs) I am nowhere where I want to be. And that kind of sends me in a spiral out because then I'm like, well, how do I get there today? How do I become that today? And I guess the question should be like, how can I be one step closer today? I think that's so good that you notice that you look at the gap. And I always talk about this. Like when I run people through creating a three-year vision, I'm like, your brain 100% is going to default to being like, now I'm upset that I've created a vision because now I'm not there versus what I teach. I'm like, you create the vision. So let's say in this case, you create the launch goal. Then you align your identity and your emotion. So you do that exercise we just talked about. You're like, what does it look like to be that person? What is she thinking and feeling that's different than me? And then that last step, which is exactly what you just said, is I call it act as if. And so you start taking the action that that person would take. So like, I'm trying to think of an example from this launch that I'm doing right now. I'm like, if I am selling 20 spots easily, I would feel very relaxed and really like steady. And if I'm feeling relaxed and steady, then I am not reading a book while checking my stats on my phone. And so then my version of acting as if is I'm like, no, you're just not going to check your stats. You're just not going to do that. And then I just sit and I read. So it's like those little tweaks that actually get you into that version of you. What are your real thoughts on that? Like, does Because I'm curious if it sounds like, oh, that sounds woo-woo or whether you're like, no, that's actually really practical. Over the past, I would say like six months and like with my launch that I did in April, I had good results. Like that was the first time I truly detached from the outcome. And I had the most peaceful and honestly, my best launch ever. (laughs) And it just made me realize like how mindset and strategy have to be together for all of you to get to the finish line. Because with strategy, you can get to the finish line, but you're probably like burnt to a crisp and down. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think it's woo-woo. I do think it's super... I think I just struggle with like, if I'm already halfway through a launch... Maybe not even during a launch, maybe when I'm trying to make a decision. Because like, for example, deciding to go from Evergreen to launching, I was just spiraling on that decision for like weeks. I had so much fear around changing it. And I think that's when I struggled to like see the like, like what's the vision of me doing right now? Ideally, making a confident decision. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. And I would just encourage you like, and obviously if if we post this for anyone listening, I always encourage my clients, I'm like, do the vision identity work first because what happens? So for you, let's use the example of peace. I'm like, you now know that peace is like a power emotion for you. I'm like, can you say peace and power in the same sentence? I don't know. But like, (laughs) right. It's like for you, it sounds like it's not like excitement. It's peace. And so I'm like, then if you can create peace on demand, then if you're already peaceful, what decisions come naturally? Because here's the thing. I'm like, if you're already feeling peaceful, you're not spinning in your brain. That's not what peace looks like. So if you're already feeling peaceful in your body and like figure out like, what do I do that feels peaceful to me? And you put yourself in more circumstances that feel peaceful. And then you actually feel that in your body. And then you make the decision from that place, the decisions tend to come much more easily. Yeah, that's really true. (laughs) I wish I had known that before. 
I don't know. I think, I mean, this is kind of like a side topic of just knowing your own boundaries with the coach as well. Like I was in a program where the coach I who helped me like decide that I could create, I mean, I knew I could, but she helped me see that it was possible for me to create a group program. And she was very a big fan of it being evergreen. And I almost got in this headspace of like, oh, I'm going to disappoint her if I change it, or I'm going to go against her advice if I change it, or I'm going to basically waste my investment in her advice if I change it. And just like, (laughs) I think identifying those points of baggage too, and just deciding to just let it go. And so that's been a part of it too. I think that's a tough one. And I've definitely, definitely been there. And I think you even hear a lot of coaches be like, if like, and I've said this probably like a year ago, I probably totally said this. If you're going to pay me, follow what I say, which is true to an extent. But then if you get like an internal knowing that it's not the right thing for you, I like to think now is I'm like, I'm paying this person to give me their opinion so that I can decide whether I agree or not. And then I'm like, oh, okay. They have a really, really strong opinion They might present it as fact, but it's just their opinion. And it might be based on a lot of evidence, but it's still an opinion. And I can either adopt it if that feels good to me, or I can be a total rebel. And then I get motivated being like, I'm going to be a rebel and I'm going to go against what they say. And like, I'm going to make it work. That motivates me. (laughs) I've had that for sure in programs. I think that's another thing I would just love to see in general people talk about in our space of like, it's not investing to be told what to do. It's exactly what you said. It's investing to decide what's best for you and learning that instead. So Yeah. And you're investing to get someone's opinion. And then you're using process of elimination to be like, does that opinion actually work for me? I love that. Do you want to go back to lead time? Yeah. Lead time, I guess another... I mean, depends on what you want to answer. I had another question before I forget was like, I guess, is your method right now to repeat the same method and refine every time or to play around with different launch like styles and see what you like and what works best? Let me answer the lead one just so I don't forget it. This is not, I don't think this will be a popular opinion. I don't think it matters. And I don't think it's like, I just don't think that that's a metric worth paying that much attention to. And I'm going to tell you why. Literally this morning, I was re-enrolling one of my clients. So he just is finishing a round of program, decided to do a second round. And so I went into ConvertKit in my email marketing and I was looking at... I was like tagging him. And then I happened to notice, I was like, wow, he's gotten a lot of emails. And so I scrolled and I was like, how many emails? Oh, when is when did he join? I'm like, oh my gosh, he has been on my email list since April, 2020. So it took him two and a half years to become my client. And I don't think that's a problem. And I also have a podcast episode that just came out this morning from a client and she got on one workshop with me. She booked a consult. She's like, I want to work with you. So it took her a day. I'm like two and a half years or a day. And they're both amazing clients because I think a lot of people at that point would be like, well, was one better? I'm like, no, they're both fantastic. He needed two and a half years to get ready. She needed a day. And so for me, I'm like, I heard this explained, and this is from another coach. Her name is Sarah Arnold Hall, and she's amazing. And she said something that's just has stuck with me. Think about people buying from you as points. And everyone needs 100 points in order to buy from you. Some people 
have one interaction with you and it gives them all their points. Some people, every email that they get or every social media post, they get like half a point. But it's always adding up to 100. And that just made me feel relaxed. And I was like, awesome. I'm just going to go with that. What do you think about that? Yeah, I like that. (laughs) It's a good reframe because it's like everyone's always getting closer. It's just a matter of how quickly. And then I think of it as I'm like my job, and I would say probably like a third of my job is to get people there faster and think about, okay, how can I get them faster points? But not in like, and I know myself and I can, t- I can use that to go into like panic and desperation and urgency, which is not a good look um, at all. But I can also use it to be like really creative and strategic and be like, okay, if they like, what would it take them to get all hundred points today? What would that need to look like? What would I have to say that would get them there? What would overcome all of their objections in this exact moment? So that's where a lot of my creative work ends up coming. I love that. Yeah, it's funny because like, just like from the messaging side of things, because that's like where my brain always goes is that on one hand, I tell people and like, the thing is, is that both are true. So on one hand, messaging should help guide your person through a journey that helps them see that if it is a good fit for them, they should take action. On the other hand, messaging can happen really quickly. And if you say the right thing at the right time to the right person, it can be instant. Both are true. You have to be prepared to do both as well. So, Because I'm like, if you're not prepared for someone to take longer, you get annoyed and you get resentful. And I have been there and it's not fun because it makes you so disconnected from the very people that you're trying to help. And it's like, that's a lot. I've had to do a lot of work around that. Definitely. Here's another thing that I think is like a metric that's overrated in the business world. And I was just looking at this debate about this in a Facebook group. And this woman was asking about her email open rates and whether they were good. And so she was talking about her email open rates. But then at some point in a comment, she was saying how she doesn't have conversions. And I was like, I don't care what my open rates are. And people will tell me to care, but I'm like, they don't correlate to whether or not I'm making sales. They just don't. And even my click rate doesn't really correlate to whether or not I'm making sales. I'm like, I look at, am I making sales or am I not making sales? And all these other fluffy metrics that we spend time, I'm like, they might correlate really strongly for you and your business. But I'm like, if they don't, stop paying attention to them and start paying attention to who's converting and why. So I just think it's overrated. It's so true. And I learned from... I was in Stacey Bayman's mastermind. It's called 200K. And she has a book where she talks about, it's called Million Dollar Copy. And it's like all the emails she sent out. And she includes her open rate. And her average open rate was like 14%. And I was like, wait a second. I've been busting my ass trying to get good open rates. She's at 14% making $10 million a year. So I'm like, I don't care anymore. I was just done. I was like, I'm never going to care about open rates ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, what you said, like if they don't connect to results that you can point to, they're just numbers. And honestly, unless your mindset is on lock 100% of the time, then you're just going to find a way to make yourself feel bad about it. <laughs> like I, um, so I send during my launches, I send an email. I try to send an email every day leading up to the doors closing. And pretty much every day, one person is unsubscribed at least. And even saying it, I'm like, oh... <laughs> But then it's like, it's fine. Like it wasn't for them. And if they were going to unsubscribe, they were going to unsubscribe anyway. So. Okay. Do you want like what I do for unsubscribes? Cause it helps me so much. Again, I have that little like rebel in me. 
I set up before my launches, I'm like, my goal is to get a hundred people to unsubscribe. I'm like, I'm going to email so much and say things so boldly that a hundred people are going to like hate me or just be like, this is not for me. Or like, I'm so annoyed by this number of emails and they're going to leave on purpose. And it's like not, and it's not like a adversarial thing. I'm just like, I see it as like a very natural clearing out process of my email list. I'm just like, yeah, good. Get them out of here. They come back like half the time, which I think is hilarious. I'm like, I always have people, right? Like people always come back. Like somebody, one of my clients was like, yeah, she like came to my, she signed up for my program. She was like, yeah, I had unsubscribed from your email list. But then I came back and I'm like, perfect. (laughs) So I'm just like, welcome back. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome back. But I'm like a hundred unsubscribes. And what that does for me at least is I'm like, it gets my brain being like, not only scared about the, I'm not scared about the unsubscribes, but I'm like, I celebrate them. I'm like, Ooh, okay. It's working. Cause I'm speaking. The people who want it are here. Yeah. Thank you. These are like all the reframes. (laughs) I know they're so fun, right? (laughs) Love it. I'm like, I have to do this. Like I have to like work with my brain. Otherwise I would just like sit around freaking out all the time. And that's just no good. (laughs) Um, There was one other thing that I was going to say that I think is overrated. (laughs) What was I thinking of? We'll see if I come back to it, but okay. So do you want to talk about the repeating launch style? Yeah. So my current thinking on this, which could definitely change is last year was the first full year. So 2021 was the first full year where I like was actually clear on my offer and then I was clear on how I was going to sell it through launches. And then I was clear on the price and I was clear on my goal. In 20, like I was in business part of 2019 and then 2020, that was like my throwing spaghetti at the wall experimental phase. So I was always changing the launch goal and the price and the everything. So I was like, for 2021, I know the plan. The plan is simple. And one of my favorite thoughts for 2021 was I was like, the math works and it's simple. It's just number of spots times price. I don't need to do all these calculations that I was doing before. I was like, that's it. There's two numbers and that is it. So that, so I did that in all of 2021. And then this year in 2022, I have really, really, really had the mindset of refining that, of being like, okay, how can I do that? Same number of launches, same number of more or less, same number of challenges, all that, but do it better. And that refining process, I think is like not sexy. I think it's the least sexy part of business, but it's also the most effective. So do you want me to tell you some things I've done specifically? Yeah, I'd love to know. One of my huge things was I was like, if I'm going to do these five-day challenges, I used to do five days. I would give like insane value over five days. And then I'd be like, okay, like you guys should check out my program. If you want to buy it, you're welcome to. And then people wouldn't buy it. It was shocking. And then in 2022, I was like, fuck this. I am giving them so much value. And in exchange, I'm going to sell. And also having the mindset of like people want to be sold to. That was huge for me. So then I started carving out like 20, even 30 minutes per day of the five-day challenges on the one-hour calls, which my brain was like, this is so inappropriate. You're, at, you're selling way too much. But I was like, I'm doing it anyway. And then actually selling on those challenges. No surprise that actually made a difference in conversions. <laughs> Amazing. So that was a huge thing for me. And then like refining too in terms of simplicity, because I will look back on the challenges that I ran this time last year and I'll look at my marketing and I'm like, oh, 
And I just made it so overcomplicated. And like, I use so many words. <laughs> and I, I think that in 2023, I'll look back on this marketing from 2022 and be like, you still used a lot of words, you know, <laughs> but less, fewer words than the year before. So yeah, those are some examples of the ways I refined it. It's nice to hear because I think part of the reason I wanted to change from Evergreen is that with a end date just a few weeks away, it's nice for me to just like know everybody's out. I can kind of like clean house a little bit, you know, like I can like improve things. And with Evergreen right now, like I have people who signed in April and they have, they're in there for 12 months. And that was part of why I didn't make the change sooner is because I was like, well, what if they think, do they think that I think it's shit and like <laughs> I'm changing it because I think it's shit? Like, no, like I'm just improving. But I having all these eyeballs on me while I'm changing things is tricky. And then it just makes it harder to play around with pricing and it slows down the rate at which you can iterate. And so I'm excited to be in that short burst model too, because then it's like, I can kind of test things. I can test and I can learn faster because right now it's like, it's just like waiting to see if people get in and like running a bonus here and there and like, oh, it didn't do anything. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that's really smart. And you're right. Like my, I definitely, I have changed every single cohort. I've changed at least something in my program because my program is eight weeks. I mean, every single time there's been a change. So like I'll change the homework or I'll change like, sometimes it's really small, change the phrasing or... I'll look and I'll be like, okay, where is everyone having the same issue in the process? Okay, how can I address that with a resource? Or I like created a little workbook so people could do like a little self-service like triage model. So yeah, it's like every single time it gets so much better. And I always joke that like it's getting better and it's getting more expensive. And so people, somebody said to me the other day, she was like, I really should have taken you up on it when it was like $6.99. And I was like, yeah, because it's $2,000 now. Like it's not going to go down. It's only going to go up from here and it's only going to get more valuable. So another question I have for you is in terms of your branding for your business, how have you found it having like one core offer to sell people? Like, has it just really made it easier or does it hard when people come to you, but they're not quite ready for the full program? I had so much fucking drama about going to one offer. I think my core thing was I was like, I'm going to be bored. Like I will be bored just offering one thing. So I did this in 2021 of last or January, 2021. I joined this 200K mastermind. And a huge thing is one simple offer. So you have one offer and then you put all of your time and your energy into that one thing. So it took me like a lot to like dismantle my other offers. But the crazy thing is in retrospect, it's not like they were flourishing. It wasn't like I was like cutting down like, blooming trees. I'm like, they weren't doing well. That was the entire reason I wanted to narrow in on just one. So once I did it, then I was like, you're shitting me. Like, this is so much better. (laughs) And like, I cannot believe I had all the drama. I will say right now, I like have been wanting to do some little one-on-one coaching. So that's like something that I'm allowing myself to like engage in just a tiny bit. But I would say like 99% of my energy goes to the one program. And what I have found as somebody who like, I don't get bored, but I'm terrified of being bored. (laughs) I'm always scared that I'm going to be bored. What it's made me do is get so creative. So it's like anytime I feel that boredom, I'm like, okay, well, you can either be bored or you can use this to make the program so much more engaging. 
And so that has been like, just from a personal perspective, that's been super cool for me to prove that I can do that and not just like quit and move to the next thing. It has also required me to work on my mindset. So instead of being like, well, this offer is not working, I'll just go sell another one. And then I like always have kind of mediocre results. It's like, if this offer is not working, why? What am I not saying? What am I not offering? What are people not understanding? What is it? Like, if I think that this is the best offer I could possibly put together and people aren't buying it, there's a disconnect. Now my job's to solve that disconnect. You asked another question in there. I think it was just also like your personal brand and like, do people know you as half finished to done? Like, how has that like changed having one offer changed like your branding? Yeah, that's a really good point. So when we were debating the title of the podcast when I was relaunching, so it used to be the Peak Podcast, which wasn't like that informative. I was debating between the Half Finished It On podcast or... I literally don't even remember. Can't remember. Clearly not. Clearly it was not the right choice. (laughs) Not that great. (laughs) Yeah, not that great. (laughs) And I was like, because I was nervous. I was like, do I want my podcast to be the same as the title of my program? Because that really attaches me to the program. And then I was like, yes, like this is my one signature offer. And like, I might have like other backend offers, like little things that... But I'm like, I want everybody to go through Half Finished It On Live. Like this is the core. And if they, like, these are the things they need to understand in order to thrive in any work that we do. So yeah, I was like, I'm willing to attach to just this one offer. And it's been great for me. Hearing you talk about it, I'm like, yes, yes, that's what I want. I want that for myself. (laughs) You know, like, I'm like, ah, that's what I want. It just feels so good to hear you talk about it. And I also love the, I mean, I'm on in the same boat where like I, right now I have a lot of different offers. I'm also like kind of, almost transitioning from like done for you copywriting to this more like messaging consultant role. And that's been like kind of a bit of a wobble because everyone kind of, once people know what copy is, they kind of immediately understand why it's valuable. But getting people on the same page about messaging, I think. But I just love the idea of pouring all of myself into one offer and just like, yeah, focusing that energy because I have the same thing where I'm like, oh, like, oh, that's not working. I'll promote something else next week and see if that works. And it just puts you in the cycle of always looking for an answer instead of honestly just sitting still and being like, if you can't create an answer here, hopping around isn't going to actually solve. Right. Your answer, so, right. It really doesn't. And like, I'm like, we really delude ourselves into thinking that it will, but it doesn't. And I've, I've seen it with myself and I've seen it with so many other people. It's like, again, you just get mediocre results across the board. And not only that, but you end up feeling more disempowered because now you're like, great. So clearly it's a me problem because I have these 12 offers and none of them are working versus making it about one thing and then becoming a master at that one thing. And I love that thought too. I said it, but I want to reiterate it is it makes you so committed to making your offer the best it can possibly be. And I think when you have a ton of different offers, by nature, by definition, you don't have the time and energy to make that offer the best possible offer. But when your constant energy is pouring into one thing, that becomes so powerful. And then you have the confidence to be like, this is it. This is the best offer you can possibly take. For sure. Okay. I have one question too, which is like, have you ever considered having some kind of like alumni membership where they can like hang out after working with you. This is just something that 
I've thought of like, okay, then it would be two offers. It would be the live program, but then also, oh, if you're done with the live program, but you still want support, you still want to hang out with other entrepreneurs working on their XYZ, like you could pay a monthly fee and still have me and everybody else around. Have you ever thought about doing something like that? I've done it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did it. And then I sunset it. I sunset a lot of programs and I decided to go all in on my one offer. So I did it and it was like, it was nice. Like it was great. It was a good experience, but it was very small and it was another offer. Like, I think that we, I'm going to speak for myself. I was like, well, they already work with me. They already like me. Therefore, this is an easy sell. And sometimes it is like, sometimes you just have the clients that are like, I'll take anything you offer, but they're still have to make another decision. So for me, it just, it was another offer and I needed to stop like deluding myself into thinking it wasn't another offer. So I did it. I ended up sunsetting it. What I decided to do instead. So I'll give you a few different answers. I decided that I was going to let people go through the program again. And that took a lot of work because it was like that thought, the immediate like objection that comes up is like, what is your first thought? Are they going to pay for it? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. 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 Or like, will they want to do the same thing again? I was like, I want to believe that the second time they go through is even more powerful than the first time. Now it's like first time, like in my program, I think of it as like, it's intense. Like you're kind of like, you're learning a lot of new stuff. You're learning a new way of being in the world. You're learning new skill sets. The second time is like your time to put it on autopilot. And not everybody needs a second round. Like some people just need like a little tune-up. They come in for one round and that's fine. But I was like, what would it require for me to believe that they could benefit immensely from a second round and not just benefit equally, but benefit more than they did the first round? What are your thoughts on that? I'm with you. I, like, I want to feel that too. And I, I think even with messaging, it could be true because... So much of what I spend my energy on is like telling people like, this is important. You have to think about it this way. This is what's going to help you. Yeah. If they came in the second time, it would actually... They're not sinking it. They're not soaking it in so much. They can actually just focus on like implementing. So I, I love that actually. And it gives them a chance to see the contrast it to be like, oh, wow, like this used to, I used to find this really overwhelming or I used to like, this used to spin me out or like whatever it is. And then I'm like, they get to see their own progress against themselves. And for the people I work with, like self-proclaimed procrastinators, the ability to see your own progress and name your own progress and celebrate your own progress is like one of the most important things that you learn. So I'm like, when you have a chance to be like, wow, eight weeks ago, I was floundering. And like, we do it in different ways in my program. Like I'll have them like self-assess on a scale of one to 10 on three different skills. So it's like, and then they can compare that. So like eight weeks ago, you were a three on deep work and now you're a freaking eight. Let's get you to a 10. Like, it's just so cool to be able to track that. That's amazing. I'm like selling myself on this more (laughs) as we talk. Yeah. It could still be a discounted rate, right? Like, oh, come in for like 50% off or 75% off. Wait, (laughs) I have an opinion about this. You go though, finish. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're going to love it. No, I am. Tell me what you're thinking. I think everything you had just said, the messaging, wink, wink, about like, come and get even more than what you got the first time. It sounds great. But now I'm so curious what you're going to (laughs) say. Okay. I literally just wrote this up as a post. I was like, I was like, I need to put this in writing. So I had a client who was re-enrolling for a second round and he like very, very kindly was like, can I get a discount for the second round? And he was like, it's not going to change my mind, but like, can I? 
I was like, I totally respect the ask, totally valid, reasonable question, but no, you cannot get a discount. And I was like thinking about it and I was like, I want to explain to people why I don't give a discount the second time. Okay. This is so fun. I didn't expect this, this recording to be like about this, but I'm like, I feel like this is really fun. I don't get a chance that often to talk about my philosophy. So I'm like really loving this. Yeah. Let's hear it. So I basically was like such a logical question. Can I just get a discount the second time around? And it's a very common business practice. So like that makes sense. But I was like, my brain gets more valuable over time. And when you are my client, you are paying to increase the value of your own brain, but you're also paying for access to my brain. So you're paying to get a front row seat to what I come up with about procrastination and project finishing. So if you do a round with me and you get value, and then you want to come back and get a discount, I'm like, my brain didn't get less valuable. My brain got more valuable in those last eight weeks. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you can't have a discount. My brain's more valuable. Like you should be, I always joke. I'm like, you should be paying me double what you paid me before. <laughs> I'm totally kidding, but kind of. <laughs> and like, so because my brain is more valuable and you're getting access to that. So that's the first reason. The second reason is I'm like, again, the level to which things sink in your second round is different than the level to which they sink in. So I'm like, you should actually be getting better results the second time around because you should be experiencing exponential growth if we're doing it right. And then I was thinking about this and I was like, I wanted to use this as kind of like a teaching moment for people because I was like, do you believe that your brain is growing exponentially by the day? And most people don't believe that their brain is doing that. And so then I'm like, why don't you believe that? And if you did believe that your brain was growing every single day in value, would you want to give a discount? Probably not. Okay. What is your take on that? I love it. <laughs> I just I really, I just so appreciate this conversation because like I'm sharing all the thoughts I would have had anyway, right? But then having you here to chat through these different perspectives and even just hearing like the level of confidence you have in yourself and your offer, I'm like, not why can't I have that? But like that is available to me. Like I just need to claim that. And I just, I, seeing you do it gives me that kind of like boost to do it for myself. And I, this is the perfect mid-launch conversation for me. Perfect. Yeah. I love those mid-launch yeah. conversations where you like, where you, sometimes you have that dip in your launch and then you're like, and you have a really epic like coaching conversation and you get back to it and you're like, yes, I'm so ready to hit the ground running. And that's not to say that you won't eventually be like, oh yeah, like I am going to let people re-enroll, but I do want a discount. I would just look at what are your reasons for that? And do you love those reasons? Like, and do they make sense for your business growth? And I'll tell you actually another super recent example. One of my clients, so I had a July round of the program. I'm enrolling for October. And then the next round will start in January. So I increased my price. And so one of my clients was like, I don't want to join the October program. Will you honor the lower price for the January program? And I was like, let me think about it. And I took the time to think it through. Like, I didn't give an answer immediately. I thought about it and I came back and I was like, no, I'm not willing to honor the lower price for the January round. And I was like, I don't feel the need to explain, but I'm going to explain because again, teaching moment. And I was like, one, the reason I'm not going to honor the lower price is I'm like, again, I am growing exponentially and my growth between end of September and mid-January will be ridiculous. Like it just will. (laughs) Like I just am very confident in that because I hone my craft every day. And I feel like if someone's listening and they're like, that's so arrogant, I'm like, yeah, you should be more arrogant about your work. It's fun. (laughs) (laughs) I've earned the right. (laughs) 
And don't worry, I have plenty of inadequacy. We can have a long conversation about that too. And then the other thing I was like, I said, I don't want future Christina of January to be locked into a decision made by September me. That was probably going to be made out of scarcity. And then lastly, I was like, again, for you and your business, I was like, you don't know where you're going to be in January. And I'm like, you might not even need this program in January. Like you might experience such ridiculous exponential growth between September and January. That's like, you wouldn't even think about joining Half Finished to Done Live. Like you're going to be off doing something else. So I just was like, I don't want future you to be locked into a decision made by September you because it kind of, it's like unconsciously you're signaling that you're not going to experience tremendous growth in the next few months. No, that's super true. Because I feel like I did that to myself in my November launch where I was like, oh, well, you know, this program, it can change and it can evolve, but like, it's still going to be the same program. And everyone who joined me in April or even in November, they're still with me. I've learned so much, but I, I honestly like until now, because I'm, they're all invited to this like new version of the program I'm running. And, but it's like, I basically had to make this because I've learned so much and so much has changed. And I realized even like ways that, you know, I was overcomplicating their path to success. Also like being new to like the coaching slash consulting space, realizing like I didn't have to give them every single thing I knew. I just need to give them the things I would get them where they want to go. And that completely like <laughs> completely changed what I thought was necessary to even be in the program. But yeah, having that evergreen, it's just, it locked me in in a way that honestly just slowed down my entire year. So it is interesting, like always watching for those ways that you accidentally lock yourself in. Yeah. And I think it could be a really good thing to make the decisions ahead of time because then you're just like decision made. I don't have to think about it again. But again, only if that's coming from like confidence, it's like that can only come when you like know your three-year vision or your two-year vision. And then you're like, does this decision get me on track for my three-year vision at the pace that I want to be at. And often you'll find that the decisions you're making are like not at all that. They're based in scarcity and fear and inadequacy. <laughs> yeah. No, because like even when I when I had my first when I decided it was going to be evergreen, the scarcity really came from, oh, like I don't want the pressure of getting X amount of clients by a certain date. I just want to let people come when they're ready. But it was really from this idea of like, I couldn't achieve that. And so I was like, well, how do I work around the fact that I can't achieve that? Rather than how do I make this happen for myself? (laughs) So I've learned a lot. That's what I like when, so, you know, obviously do project work. And so that in week three, once you've chosen your your project that you're going to work on for the rest of the program, you write down, here's the results I'm going to create by the deadline. And I'm like, if you freak out after you make that plan, duh, (laughs) like it's easy to be like, I'm going to do this thing. And then you have no deadline and you have no like actual result. And then you just kind of float around and you like may or may not accomplish it. I'm like, when you put a deadline and you put a specific result, of course your brain's going to freak out. That's where the good stuff starts to happen. It's like, that's where your self-growth starts to happen and your growth as a business owner. And you don't have to stay in that freak out spot, but it's like, use that as a catalyst to then get your mind right. I have a last question for you. Based on everything we've talked about and based on the kind of thoughts that you had coming into this conversation, what 
still lingers as like a hesitation or a concern that I might be able to help you with? Honestly, I feel really good about it. And just, I think you came across my social and I was just like, I think I was in the, in the phase still where I was like, I don't know, like you open your phone and you see all this like different messaging. Like, oh, you need a product suite. You need five different offers that people can upsell and downsell and cross sell. Like now that I've made the decision, I'm like fully behind it. And then seeing, literally like seeing you, like, I think I just saw you say somewhere, like I spend 99% of my you know energy marketing this one offer. And I was like, Christina is crushing it this way. Like, and like just realizing that, you know, there's no wrong way in business. Like it's really true. There's really not. And it's all about what you're willing to like sit down and make work. <laughs> yeah. I just love the mental clarity around like getting the focus on one thing. So to answer your question, I think I'm also a little bit scared of boredom. I'm also scared of getting it wrong. And I guess like I'm like, I'm scared of like what people will say in terms of like, if I radically overhaul the program, maybe it's eight weeks instead of six weeks or the price goes up or the price goes down. Like, like what will people say about the program? Like, will it... I'm like worried about those like almost external things of are people like watching? Are they judging? Are they like making judgments about my expertise? Like that kind of thing always worries me. Okay. It sounds like that's kind of like the biggest thing, probably more than the boredom. Probably more than the boredom. So I have a few thoughts on this and maybe this is like just work to do on your own. The first thought is like, I always say when people say things First of all, we're making it up. You're assuming someone's going to say something. Let's just say they are. Let's not even go to a world where like, oh, they're not actually saying that. Let's say they are saying that. The only problem is if you agree with them. So I'm like, if someone says something to you, but you don't agree with them and you're like, oh, that's an interesting opinion, but I, I'm good. I made the right decision. Then there's no problem. So part of you agrees with them. I would just find where do I agree with them and why is that a problem for me? Like what? And so let's talk about this. Let's say raising the price. If they are like, wow, that you get a, you get like 10 emails and they're like, wow, I think it's really tacky and terrible that you raise the price. What is your thought about yourself? Like too bad. Like <laughs> I have reasons why I'm what I do. And actually though, or do you go to a shitty place first about yourself? I don't know. Like, cause I think with things like pricing, it's like, yeah, I always just feel like I know why I'm doing it. And even like changes in the program, it's like, I know that I'm always coming from a place of wanting better for my clients. So any change I make is with that in mind, genuinely. So, but it's still that fear of like, yeah. Why? I'm afraid that they're wrong and that they're, yeah, just like making wrong, like making wrong opinions because I don't have full information. And I don't know. Why does that matter to you? It's funny because my brain immediately went to, well, I'm brown. (laughs) So I was immediately raised with everyone being like, what will they say? So that's one thing. But then also just, yeah, I think I just care a lot about what other people think, but not necessarily because I want them to like, I don't know. It's not because I want them to like me. I just want them to know that I'm doing my best, (laughs) I guess. Okay. I think that's worth sorting out more is like, this is so good. And I love that. Like I'm Brown. I'm like, I talk a lot about like the societal influence. I'm like, if you experience procrastination, I'm like, that did not come out of nowhere. Like that came often from your identity in the world. Right. And your upbringing. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I would look at like, is it like, 
you think they're wrong. So they're going to disengage. So they're not going to get the results. So they're going to be worse off. Or is it like that might be part of it? Or is it like you will think negatively of yourself if they think negatively of you? Like I would just keep digging here. Yeah, I feel like there's more here to unpack, but I'm not sure what it is. But it is just like this. I think it's just this unease feeling like wanting to be seen for like what the good I'm trying to do rather than seen for the like mess that I make in the process. <laughs> yeah. That's so big. Yeah. There's a lot there probably. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah, I can totally understand that. Like the craving and the desire to be like, like I have clients, like I've definitely had clients who like think I'm a shit coach and I'm like, all I want in life is to be fucking amazing at my job And that's so painful. But here's a question for you. is like, how many people are you willing to let think you're shit and you keep going? Yeah, most of them. (laughs) Yeah. So that's okay. And I'm like, for everyone listening, I'm like, answer that. Because some of us are like, I'm not. And it just stops us. And I'm like, be honest with yourself. And I think you can then increase that threshold. But like, are you willing to let five people be mad at you? Are you willing to let 10 people be upset with you? Uh oh. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seven and a half. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But I also dig in. It's like I tend to think when someone else has a negative opinion, I still have that opinion of like, there's part of you that agrees with them. And so for me, I immediately went when I asked you the question of, for me, my immediate thought was like, well, if I raise the price, it means I'm selfish. Oh, okay. Well, that just means that part of me already thinks I'm selfish. What's that about? Where is that true? Where is that not true? Where am I okay with that? Where am I not okay with that? But I'm like, your price is just an external thing that just stimulates what's already inside of you. That's my opinion. And then that's work that you can dig into. No, that's definitely so true. Like, it's funny how much of business is like that, like, even beyond pricing, like what you decide to include, what you decide to leave out, how you help people, where you put your boundaries. It's really all a reflection of how confident you are like in yourself, but also just like in asserting like what is and isn't okay with you. So yeah, it's a journey. (laughs) It really is. I'm like, you want to get to know yourself, start a business. That's what I heard early on. I was like, that's so true. (laughs) I think too, it's like the ability to let other people, like I have done a lot of overcompensation. I'll like, I used to like drag people along and I'd reach out to them all the time and I'd follow up. And then I was like, they have to want this more than I want it for them. And so I had to get to a place where I was like, I'm willing to let people not get the results. I'm willing to let people fail out of my program because doing it the other way to handholding and begging them doesn't work anyway. And it makes me feel terrible. So like I've had to get really confident is like, if they don't want to show up, they don't have to show up. I'm going to create the conditions where they do want to show up as much as possible, but sometimes they're just not going to want to show up. And that's not on me. I wanted to say one last thing, if I can. The other thing I would encourage you to do, and I think this is where your three-year vision is going to be super interesting, is I would think about, let's say you're going to do one program, let's say for three years, just as an experiment. I want you to calculate the number of people that you want to serve in the next three years, and then take the number of people who may be upset by your current change and look at what percent of people right now versus the percent I'm going to help overall with these changes. And I think what you'll find is like the current number is such a small percentage that it might actually become easy to let go of. No, that's so true. That's such a good 
so good. Because like, <laughs> it's so easy to look at what's right in front of us, especially like when you're knee deep and like trying to make changes and trying to look around and be like, is this working? Is this working? I think like, this is something that I don't think enough people talk about is that I feel like the first like few years of business, you're almost fighting a timer against how long am I going to try to make this work? Like you have this like question mark of like, how long am I going to put energy into my business to see if this works before I turn around and do something else? And I think I've finally passed that threshold. But like, and people have that threshold like at different times. It could be in the first year or the third year. I know for me, I was definitely still eyeing the door probably like a year and a half ago. So that really helps because I, I do feel so strongly about this program. And I would love to be paid to pour all my energy into it, especially over the next three years. So that's really, that's a good vision to have. And once you reach that threshold where you're like, great, I'm not quitting. It's like, I think it clicks into your brain. Like this is working and I'm going to constantly be optimizing and improving. Of course, there's always going to be problems to solve, but like fundamentally at its core, my business works. And I think like the sooner you can get to that core belief of like, this is working and I can tweak, you just get so much calmer. Ask me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it is so true. And I feel like, I don't know what I was going to say. It does just get so much easier when you can just focus on what's in front of you as opposed to like, if you're always like, oh, I have a plan B, I'm gonna, I, I can get a job. Your mind just clears up on and focuses on what's in front of you. That's so true. And like, I'll tell myself like once every six months, I'm like, you can get a job if you want. Like I like to like, it's like a little, like very, very, very infrequent reminder that I will be okay no matter what. And then I'm like, no, thank you. Back to work. <laughs> and right. for six more months, I'm heads down. <laughs> right. All it takes is Rick coming home and complaining about something from work. And I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. That's why I do this. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. yeah. Perfect ending. Okay. This was such an incredible conversation. So glad that you brought me these questions and thanks for giving me a chance to just like talk. I got in my soapbox a lot, but that was really fun. <laughs> no, that was amazing. Thank you for being so generous with both your time and your answers and this was really, really, really great. And I hope other people listen because it was, it was really valuable. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, enjoy listening, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Half Finished to Done podcast. If you're ready to become a self-assured repeat project finisher, the best place to work with me is in my eight-week group coaching program, Half Finished to Done Live. You'll leave our time together with one finished project and the skills you need to finish any project personal or business in the future. Just head to peakcoaching.co slash HFD live for your next step. Can't wait to work with you.